In this series, we're looking at the difference Jesus and his people have made throughout the world over the last 2,000 years. Christians, based on what we're talking about today, are the most motivated people to show compassion throughout the last centuries since Jesus died and was raised again. One example of the compassion that Jesus motivates is a group that CIV partners with called Send Relief. They are on the ground at the border between Ukraine and Poland trying to help refugees from Ukraine deal with their evacuation. Let's watch this video together. Hi, I'm Jason Cox, Vice President of Send Relief International Ministries. I'm here at one of the border crossings with Ukraine and Poland. One of the buses has just arrived bringing people across. We're getting word of thousands of people lining up and waiting for hours, if not days, in long, long lines to cross the border. Please continue to pray for the people of Ukraine, both those who are unable to get out, those who are waiting at the border, and those who are crossing, as these people are right now, into unknown circumstances. Send Relief, we have partners deployed all around Ukraine, Baptist partners, IMB partners, and others through whom we're working. Your gifts, Send Relief, are making a huge difference and will continue to make a huge difference. Thank you for your generosity. To learn more about how you can be involved with Send Relief, please visit sendrelief.org. This is what God motivates Christians to do, to show compassion and render aid to the suffering. Samaritan Purse is also a sending Christian organization that's sending waves of relief to the Ukraine. The Salvation Army and many other organizations like it are centered on showing compassion right here and across the world. Um, I have a friend who spent many years in Afghanistan, and he said that it's commonly known that the aid and compassion efforts to Muslim countries don't come from Muslim nations, but from the Christian West. That's because the foundation of our nations in the West is Christian, and we're motivated to, you know, give and show compassion and go out to the world to connect with people, to show compassion. A Muslim buddy of my friend's who is a Christian used to make the point to his non-believing Muslim friends that all of the aid comes from Christian nations. And that was, that was his point. Um, Compassion efforts are what Jesus commanded his disciples to do. He commanded us Christ followers to do compassion. And they have been going on since Christianity started. During the Antonin plague of the second century, Christians cared for the sick at a great risk and cost to themselves. Their love showed how the plagues were not the work of angry and capricious deities, but the product of a broken creation in revolt against a loving God. God mobilizes his people to show compassion. It's what he does. Christians have shown compassion in many plagues throughout the centuries. 
We've just had a two years of an epidemic, a pandemic, so we know what it's like to suffer through that kind of thing. In 1527, when the bubonic plague uh, hit Wittenberg, Germany, Martin Luther had a Christ-honoring response. Luther refused calls to flee the city and protect himself. Rather, he stayed and ministered to the sick. And his refusal cost his daughter Elizabeth's life. In a tract, Luther wrote called, Whether Christians Should Flee the Plague, he articulates the Christian response to epidemics. We die at our posts. Christian doctors cannot abandon their hospitals. Christian governors cannot flee their districts. Christian pastors cannot abandon their congregations. The plague does not dissolve our duties. It turns them into crosses on which we must be prepared to die. That is inspiring. Christians live a life of sacrifice modeled after the one they follow, Jesus Christ himself. If your eternity is secure, if you know you're going to heaven, then you can take risks that others are afraid to take. This is a direct contrast to the selfish attitude of the Romans in Jesus' day. Christians follow a God who places a high value on human life. That's why we show compassion. So when we see needs, we activate. You see the contrast uh, to the Christian compassion that God motivates in us, and you, you see it in a statement by Seneca, a Roman philosopher, statesman, and orator. He said... We destroy monstrous birth, and we drown. We also drown our children if they are born weakly or unnaturally formed. To separate what is useless from what is sound is an act not of anger, but of reason. How cold is that statement? It gives me the chills and the willies. That sends shivers through my spine. Wow. At a time when unwanted babies were thrown in the river to drown, the early Christians were mocked because they would wade into the the water to rescue those babies. They would adopt these deformed, rejected, and unwanted kids. And by doing so, early Christians were following Jesus who values all of human life. This lines up with one part of CIV's statement of faith. We believe that all human life is sacred and created by God in his image. Human life is of inestimable worth in all its dimensions, including preborn babies, the age, aged, the physically or mentally challenged, and every other stage or condition from conception through natural death. We are therefore called to defend, protect, and value 
all of human life. I've asked Wade and Jen Tang to share with us their perspective that they've gained through having a son who was born with Down syndrome. Let's watch this interview. Wade and Jen, thank you so much for doing this interview. I know it's going to be very helpful for folks. How did you respond when you found out that Titus had an extra chromosome, which means he had Down syndrome? Mm-hmm. My initial response was fear um, and then courage. Um, or and then peace, knowing that God is in control. But uh, when I first, you know, heard the news, um, I lost courage, and you know, I I felt like my bubble burst of all the things that I had, um, my expectations for um, Titus, and just the things that I wanted to do with him, and um, we didn't know what that meant, like whether he was going to be handicapped or um, have learning disabilities, um, would he need heart surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, the doctors told us initially that every 10 years he would need to have a liver transplant to stay alive. So I was fearful, but um, one of my sister-in-law's uh, favorite verses is Isaiah 41.10. It says, um, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And God kept reminding me of that truth um, the more I chewed on it and the more my peace grew. That's great. I think to piggyback the same, I initially being alone in the hospital room um, when we found I was there alone when I found out, I um, there was an overwhelming sense of calm, which looking back now, I know it's just the Lord's peace. It was just kindness before I could process. But over the next few weeks, waves of emotion of just fear and being just being really scared about the future, um, if you research it, and that's not helpful. Yeah. <laughs> the amount of heart surgeries, and like, yeah. yeah, it's like 25% like chance <laughs> of surviving, just a lot. Um, those waves came, and then just wrestling with just being angry and um, feeling like maybe I was being ripped off or my kids were being ripped off or um, a number of things. And a verse that came to mind, um, I think the fact that God was in control was really helpful, but there was this thing that I couldn't put my finger on, and a gal pointed out to me um, a verse that I read a lot of times before in Psalm 139, and what it talks about is that while we're in our mother's womb, God is intricately weaving together each part of us, mm-hmm. and what that just yeah. left me with is there's no way this is a mistake then. Mm-hmm. If, a, if God is intricately weaving us together, then this isn't a mistake, and Though it was never on our minds to terminate the pregnancy, there was a deep sense of something's wrong. And um, that ended that for me. And that brought so much freedom and peace to know that God's hand was in this and I could really rejoice in this pregnancy like I had my others. Yeah, that's, that's great. Grateful for God's peace. <laughs> yes. So how did the medical community react? Um, their initial reaction was during the appointment they wanted me to stay and they didn't know why I thought maybe they were going to give me this wealth of help and information and things I would need to know to proceed in the pregnancy and what it ended up being when they finally released me was um, I was having to do everything through phone calls with Wade and getting information from them and what it came down to is they were trying to get me to go immediately to another 
um, clinic where they would they could do the abortion early enough in the pregnancy that um, it would still be covered by our insurance. And so once I realized that, Wade told me, you need to get home, just go home, and I'll meet you there. And um, so over the next few weeks, he encouraged me just to ignore their calls because there was a tight time frame they were trying to get me in. And then when we got to talk with our OB, who was a Christian, really the only Christian we met in the process of this in the medical field, he said, he explained that that was the goal, and that honestly, in all of his years of being an OB, he had yet to help a mom that had had a Down syndrome diagnosis, because it always terminated once they had these early reads or detections that can tell you about it. Yeah, that's great. So how much joy has Titus brought into your all's life? Did you respond the way? No. Okay, let's, let's okay. skip back. Let's go back. <laughs> um, the medical community wanted us to murder our baby. Um, all you know, all Jim's doctors showed us in. They gave us all of these pamphlets. They called us all the time. They emailed us. They scheduled Jen's appointments, you know, within a certain time frame so that they could do the abortion. And we told them that, you know, we're keeping the baby. Um, you know, if he's alive, we're going to keep him. And um, they told us then, you know, well, we can make sure for you by doing this procedure, we can be 100% sure that he has Down syndrome, but there's a chance that it could cause Jen to lose the baby. Mm -hmm. So we didn't want to do that. And, you know, we told him that um, our response was that we value Titus's life uh, no matter what diagnosis he's going to be given. And, you know, like Jen was saying, God's not surprised by this, and he's in control. He loves us. He's good. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. So how much joy, back to that question, (laughs) (laughs) how much joy has... Titus run into your life, but how has he helped you, you know, his birth and existence, how has it helped you grow and grow in your relationship to God? Um, we we um, joke we don't know what we did before Titus because we're both pretty intense people. And so he just has brought a lightheartedness. Um, he's the only little boy too, so there's less probably emotions, I don't know tied up but what he does is he is the comforter of all the girls in the house and when his sisters are crying he does not like that and he will stop and drop what he's doing and he just strokes their hair and hugs them and they've grown to like they look for that now they want time to come and he just has a real zest for life just a lot of personalities constantly laughing it is very hard to frustrate him and that has brought a lightheartedness just to our home that's just been a gift from God it's brought a lot of joy um, but additionally, what God has done in this journey of the pregnancy and having him and walking through a lot of medical things at the beginning is he's just kept reminding me that he's in control of this, that he foreknew this, he's going ahead of us, and it's brought a nearness to him and a reliance on him that was always necessary, especially the reliance on him. But um, it's just been a reminder of I need him moment by moment for not only decisions, but just for strength and perspective and um, that in and of itself is a huge gift and then the gifts he's given in parenting of um, just the additional help and mercy and grace and growing in gentleness and compassion and patience um, I'm really grateful yeah that's good yeah everything Jen just said is true about Titus bringing joy um, he's the happiest person that I know and <laughs> um I, I can imagine. <laughs> no, that's true. 
he's uh, he's helped me grow in my relationship with the Lord by showing me, you know, day after day that God is real, um, that He's good, and He's Almighty. Through all of the appointments that we've had, um, you know, God's provided for our income. He's provided for you know our finances have worked out. He's provided a home for us, um, babysitting for our things, therapies that are about. He goes to five sessions a week right now, and all of these things have worked out so smoothly and like none of my fears have um, actually you know come true it's God is taking care of us in all of these ways and it encourages me to trust him more yeah that's that's fantastic that's really good perspective I think you guys again doing this thanks for I, I really appreciate the Tings sharing with us today because it shows the God's value of human life and how Christians value human life because of the value God places on it. He, he leads Christians. His, he leads his followers. Jesus leads his followers to show extreme compassion in their circles and beyond. You, you might be surprised to know that or to find out that modern hospitals also grow out of Christianity. Before formal nursing services existed, early Christians went out of their way to nurse anyone back to health who needed care. When earthquakes, fires, epidemics produced injuries and suffering, most people were running away, but Christians were running toward the problems and the pain and the suffering, and they cared for the injured and the sick. During the scientific revolution, which, which grew up through Christian cathedral schools, science developed next door to very crude hospitals, and the two started to intermingle. This was the beginning of modern mes- medicine as it's practiced today, as it's based on science. In this message, we're challenging the idea that human compassion comes from nowhere. It it doesn't come from nowhere. It comes from the living God and Jesus Christ who motivates us to show compassion to others. Think about where we'd be if a giant vacuum sucked all of the Christians out of the world we'd be in bad shape because there wouldn't be as much compassion. There wouldn't be hardly any compassion in the world. Johns Hopkins, the founder of the hospital that bears his name, was a devout follower of Christ. So was William Mayo, the founder of the Mayo Clinic. Another founder of modern medicine, Florence Nightingale, was a serious Christian and a nursing innovator who created the modern layout of hospitals. Nine out of the top ten hospitals were founded by Christians, and the, the top ten in the U.S. They were founded by Christians, or they were trained, the, the doctors were trained by Christian hospitals, which led one uh, author to say, 
If you have a deadly medical condition, you want to be in a hospital that was founded by Christians or Christian-trained doctors. People who love Jesus are motivated by his spirit to show compassion in their world and go across the globe to show his love to others. One of the distinctives of the Christian movement is that we believe that real compassion gets to the deeper issues. It doesn't just stop with the physical, but it moves past the physical to the spiritual. We, we care about showing compassion and helping those around us, but we're concerned with more than just meals, shelter, health, and clothing. Today, we're going to follow the expansion of the Christian movement as we journal, journey with Paul into the Gentile world. And let's, let's pick up, or as he journeyed into the Gentile world, let's pick up with Acts 14, 7. There, they continued preaching the gospel. In Lystra, a man was sitting who was without strength in his feet. He had never walked. Uh, they, they had been chased out of the last town, Lystra or Iconium, uh, by an angry Jewish mob. So this is where it picks up. This man, uh, who was without strength in his feet, he had never walked, he had been lame from birth. He listened as Paul spoke. He was, he was preaching the good news of the gospel. He was listening intently. Paul had his attention. After looking directly at him and seeing that he had the faith to be healed, Paul said in a loud voice, stand up on your feet. And he jumped up and began to walk around. This is called a miracle, not a usual. <laughs> That's why we call them miracles. And miracles still happen today. Modern miracles through prayer or a medical procedure, God can and still does heal. And when God does, just like in the Bible, he is aiming at reaching more than the physical, solving the physical problems. He is reaching toward opening a person up to receive him and know him to the spiritual aspects of life. Let's move on in the passage. When the crowds saw what Paul had done, they shouted, saying in the Lyconian language, the gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas, they called Zeus, and Paul, Hermes, because he was the chief speaker, the priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside of the town, brought bulls and wreaths to the gates because he intended with the crowds to offer sacrifice. At this point, Paul and Barnabas are like, stop, we're not gods. We're not the living God. So the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, tore their robes when they heard this and rushed into the crowd shouting, people, why are you doing these things? We are people also just like you. We are proclaiming the good news to you, that you should 
Turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. In past generations, he allowed all the nations to go their way, although he did not leave himself without a witness, since he did what is good by giving you rain from heaven and fruitful seasons and filling you with food and your hearts with joy. They declared all of this. This creation is not an accident. Your life is not an accident. There is a God. And that's the good news that we bring to you. Even though they said these things, though, they barely stopped the crowds from sacrificing to them. Wow, I bet that was a moment for them. Still, the crowd was stirred up because of this miracle. We see Paul and Barnabas refusing to receive the praise for what had been done because they knew it belong to God alone. This is an important thing to notice here. Many times people in religious positions or professions are tempted towards pride. Uh, Notice here how Paul and Barnabas are pointing these people toward the true hero, toward God himself. It's tempting when you help someone or serve someone to make sure that you get noticed and you can get puffed up with pride easy. Hey, look at me. I'm good. You know, pop the collar. But they point to Jesus and show that love and compassion are deep in the heart of God. Everywhere Jesus and his movement has spread, the quality of life has improved. That's, that's a fact. It's been documented in studies. Jesus himself said in John 10, 10, A thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. The story of Paul and Barnabas shows us that we need to see how compassion is a bridge to meet spiritual needs. And this is God's design for it. And often... The physical need is just the starting point, but is not the end game. Compassion comes with a cost, always. Christians who have the ultimate things decided in their life, they know where they're going after this life. They're going to heaven, and they move toward compassion and are willing to put themselves at risk. This is what Paul was doing. Right after this encounter, it's amazing how fickle the crowds are. The angry mob that chased him out of the last towns they were in all of a sudden showed up. They stirred up the crowd, and here's what you find. Some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and when they won over the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, thinking he was dead. After the disciples gathered around him, he got up and went to into town, and the next day he left with Barnabas for Derby. On to the next town. The mission continues. Paul was not afraid. He'd been beaten and nearly stoned to death, but he moved on. 
because God had given him the compassion, not only for the physical needs, but for the souls of the people he was preaching to. You know what? If you have the ultimate things decided, you can take risks in this life because you know that you're going to live forever. It's an interesting thing. A granddaughter church of ours launched in Santa Clarita in the middle of the pandemic. That, that's, it really seemed crazy to launch out to plant a new church in the middle of a global pandemic. But they did it. They moved from Riverside, which was a lower cost of living than the area they moved to, uh, which was higher, and inflation has made it even more of a major pinch. Why? Why did they do that? Because compassion comes with a cost. And they were willing to pay that cost. When you have a higher purpose, God keeps leading you to walk by faith rather than just setting up for the comforts of this world. He, he moves you to show compassion at a risk to yourself. People live from catastrophe to catastrophe sometimes. So if you only address the physical needs uh, people aren't equipped to deal with what they're going to need to deal with in the next catastrophe. So we need to focus on spiritual needs that will equip them to handle what's coming. So I want to share some next steps with you today, um, as I always do. And here's one of the next steps. Uh, pray for God to meet both physical and spiritual needs of people around you who are experiencing trouble. Because of the Internet, we, we see loads of news stories, people in trouble all over the world. Um, th this can feel overwhelming. But the next time you see that, instead of anxiety, pray. Ask God to intervene and do what you can as he leads you to. Another step would be to give to Compassion Ministries as God prompts me. You might consider making contributions to ministries that are meeting real needs. Uh, the one thing we can do and have done is give to people who are reaching out to those in need. They're showing compassion to the people around them. CIV supports groups like the Assure Pregnancy Counseling Center or Rebirth, Rebirth Homes to who they minister to sex trafficking victims. So another step would be seek to meet needs within my ability. God will bring opportunities for you to express love and care for someone in your life. He will bring them to you. You don't have to look very far for them. Someone who is hurting, someone who needs a meal, someone who's grieving. We follow in the footsteps of our Lord Jesus Christ when we stop to take care of people who are hurting. And then finally, express love by sharing the gospel. 
Meeting physical needs is very important, but sometimes, but God wants us to go beyond the physical to the spiritual, and sometimes God provides an opportunity to share the gospel, which is the good news of Jesus Christ paying for our sin. And when he gives that opportunity, we need, we need to make the most of it. Imagine a world without compassion groups, without hospitals, without send relief, without Samaritan's Purse, without the Salvation Army or Compassion International. Groups like these, they're Christian organizations who try to show the love of Jesus throughout the world. Sometimes I see a disaster strike and I think someone should do something about that. But then I learn that Christian organizations are already on the ground trying to do something about it to meet needs. Praise God that he treats the whole person and he desires that we have life, not scrapping along, but life abundantly. I want to invite you to come back next week. Uh, next week is Mother's Day, and we're going to look into how Jesus Christ and the Christian movement has raised the value of women in our societies. Some have said that Christianity pushes women down and confines them, but that is far from the truth, and we're going to see how next week. Let's Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the truth of this message that you've laid out in your scripture. And I pray that you'd motivate us to show more compassion to those around us and that you'd help us to have the strength to take the next steps that you've laid on our heart today. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.